Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. You have a dog behind you. I know. I thought this would be a nice angle for everyone to see. That's that's Scotty the dog. Well, there he goes. Oh, and now he's doing weird well, things. Well, everybody that's watching this, enjoy, enjoy the view. <laughs> I hope he does something like really weird. Hi, okay. Scotty. He's basically like a Gumby body. <sighs> How would that be, mm. Mel? Yes. I want to talk to you about something today. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. What is it? Remember how everything in widowhood is complicated and there's no cut and dry and there's no black or white? Yes. And how I'm annoyed by that. Yes. <laughs> Today, I want to talk to you about gratitude, okay. aka thinking positive, aka finding the silver lining in everything. This is a really good this one. This is a paradox. Agreed. Yes. And it's so hard. The reason that this was in my brain was in the Widow Wives Club, somebody posted about how do I find the positive in this situation? And everybody was like, you know, there was a there was a variety of responses, but a lot of people were like, well, you don't, <laughs> you know, and, and it got me starting to think about this idea of toxic positivity 
and also how gratitude is actually really beneficial and helpful in all of life and especially in the depths of sorrow. So both are valid. Yes. What say you to my question? Oh, I agree. So I think that there is a time where looking for the positive is helpful. But if that's the only thing that you are looking at and you're ignoring that there are real life, hard, hard, hard situations that may need to be addressed and you're bypassing the authentic emotions that need to be processed and let out, that's when it becomes toxic positivity. Would you say that that's kind of what's, what the common definition of it is? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good, that's a good way of putting it kind of when people want to find the positive in every situation as a way to, you know, good vibes only. They don't want to allow people to have a really hard and heavy or painful experience because we just need to immediately, and this I think is part of it, is that we immediately need to find the silver lining in all situations. And we don't allow for the fact that things sometimes are just really hard. Yeah. I remember oh, oh, oh go ahead. I remember when Scott first died and my myself, I was going through these situations or thinking of them and I was like, okay, well, at least I have all my arms and all my legs. At least I don't live in a third world country and I have a job and I'm able to, you know, I was yeah. trying to think myself of the silver linings because honestly, that was a major coping strategy throughout my life when I had gone through a lot of hard things. However, this is so much different. This is again, the number one most high life event of stress, 100 yeah. out of 100 in that's that the medical community community recognizes. So I think it requires different, a different mindset and just a realization that like, yes, this is hard. It sucks. And, and we, we talk a lot about the word and I think, uh, Separating the word but and the word and is going to be really helpful with these sort of conversations. Yeah. The hard thing is, is that they've done studies. I mean, there's tons of studies out there that show that when you look for the positive and when you search for things to be grateful for, you find them and then your like depression, anxiety, all of those things improve, right? And it can really turn around your mindset. It can turn around your focus. It can help you um, be more aware of the things that are going right for you and kind of latch onto those. So it's so hard because we know that it can be such a therapeutic and a positive thing. But how do you use that in a way that's not negating the difficult path that you have to take? Well, I would like to turn that question back to you. (laughs) Anita, how have you done those two things? um, I think that one one major thing is that, well, I can think of two things that I want to talk about. One is that there is a component to this of ownership. And that is that you are the only person who can search for the silver linings or, or even before that step, decide if you want to look for the silver linings because when people are superimposing that on you, Ooh, it, yeah. 
not good. I mean, you just want to slap them because you're like, you don't understand what I'm going through. You cannot say those things. But like you were saying, if, if I had come to a widow after her husband died and said, at least you have all of your arms and your legs, like that would be the weirdest thing to say. But you found that to be something that you could focus on and actually be thankful for, right? Yeah. So there's an ownership factor. Like you have to be the one to decide if you want to look for those things, number one, and then to decide what those things are for yourself. And the second part of that, well, it's not really part of that, is that I really feel like there's a time element, don't you? Yeah, I was going to say that. We really want to know right now, like, why is this going to be okay? Why is this going to benefit me? What's going to come out of this that's going to be good? How am I going to grow? And we want to know it right now because we want to feel better about the situation that we've been put in. And unfortunately, a lot of that is learned by looking back and not looking forward. And also, can we talk about the event that has happened is so big that our bodies and our brains cannot process it in the same amount of time like it would be able to process other things in our lives that have happened. It's too big. And so I I think you're right on with the timing element. Um, Think about how we are right now. Okay, I'm three and a half years out. You're two and a half years out. But remember when we were like one month out, two months out, and we were like, okay, well, I'm still alive. And like, I've been through some stuff before, but like, I, I should be better right now. Like, when does this get easier? And now people that were further ahead of us are laughing. They're just like, it takes time. But remember, remember kind of the, the haste that you felt to try to like, what can I do to move through this? Like, like it's a diet and an exercise plan or something. It was a diet plan. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Not a purposeful one. And an exercise plan for you. You just went more. I went none. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I, I do. And I, I understand that, that, that need, it just feels so heavy. It just feels so, like you said, haste, like I need answers. I need to know that this is going to turn out okay and that I'm going to be a better person for it because you know in all of the the books and the motivational speakers and the all of those things I feel like a lot of them focus on and we talk about this all the time to the middle like this is what happened and this is how I became great and they don't focus on that middle part that's like where everything sucks and it's just really hard and that's the part where you're finding yourself but you haven't found yourself. And we want to just know the event that broke you and then who you found yourself to be at the end. I think it was our friend, Joy Kirsch, the fancy lady, and correct me if I'm wrong, Anita, that talked to us about the butterfly kind of allegory where, you know, how a a caterpillar is turning into a butterfly, but once it's in the cocoon, it melds into goo. And so, (laughs) but the, that part is the most transformative part of the butterfly journey. Right. And so that's what we're in right now, but it sucks. Like, can you imagine being goo and you're like, where are my wings? Where are my beautiful wings and my antenna? Oh, where are my legs? Oh, I have no arms and no legs actually. Okay. (laughs) Here's a weird question though. Do you think that the butterfly knows what they're going to turn into? Or do you think that they're just like, what is going on right now? I am goo. Well, okay how specific are we going to get? Because are we going to talk about the fact that they have insect brains and prefrontal cortexes? I just wonder if, 
you know, it would be easier for us to go through the goo phase if we knew that we would be a butterfly at the end. And so we're grasping to be the butterfly or to know that we're going to be the butterfly when we're going through that, the really hard goo part. Yes. Question. Mm -hmm. People that have gone through this before we have tell us that we're going to be better. So that's what we have to go by. So we're choosing to either believe it or not. Yeah. And I'm sure that varies at different parts of the day, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's so hard because I have this, um, this, what's the right word? Like, I believe strongly that when we look for the silver linings, that the universe brings us awareness of the things that are going right for us. And I also believe, and this might be a controversial thing to say, that there is always something to be grateful for, whether or not you um, want to look for that. And I'm not saying that you need to be grateful for your husband dying, but there might be circumstances surrounding it that are things that you can be grateful for even though there are some things that are just not positive. Like I think that we try and make everything positive, but there are things that are just not positive, you know? But there's a way to not bypass and negate the hard stuff we're going through. Like we've talked about earlier. So yeah, I agree with you. I think in everything there, there is possibility of silver lining or you, it's a choice. And sometimes because we feel so terrible and we feel so traumatized or we feel tired or we feel depressed or we feel like homicidal or suicidal, we can't make those two things connect. And yeah. so, I mean, I know that I've, I've intellectually been like, I realized that I could be a lot worse off. I also feel like trash and I want to die. And yeah. so, so sometimes the feelings don't coincide with what you're intellectually thinking I mean, we're dealing with trauma, so, you know, it's a whole thing, but yeah, I, I believe that in any circumstance you have the choice. Yeah. Do you also think though, that we need to be kind to ourselves if we don't feel like we can look for the silver linings in a situation? Yes. Because it's, it's like, you're blaming yourself for how you feel and that causes shame and we all know that shame is not a useful emotion especially in this circumstance like my gosh your person is dead and you're just trying to survive so yeah an an element of giving yourself the the care and I guess just the space to know that that's normal and I know I do this a lot I once once I had kind of gotten to a point where I wasn't crying every day and I was kind of functioning when I would have a, a hard day or a hard season or even a hard, like feeling and thought and stuff, I, I would beat myself up. I, I wasn't even conscious of it. Like, I know this cause I work with your sister doing life coaching. And so sometimes she like helps me pull thoughts and she's like, why are you beating yourself up over this? I'm like, Oh, Oh, I never thought of it that way, but it's like, I'm so hard on myself because I feel like I need to move forward and not have emotions and this and that. And so I personally beat myself up a lot, kind of subconsciously and consciously. And I think a lot of women and people in general might do that, you know? So yeah, an element of being able to, to give yourself the space and the care to realize that you're a human 
and you've gone through something super, super hard and you're not going to respond perfectly how you want to. And maybe you shouldn't, maybe there is no perfectly, or maybe the way that you are dealing with this is perfect for you. And all of the experience counts in the long run. Um, I was listening to David Kessler. He's like a grief, like a, a researcher. And they were talking about, you know, how we hate the five stages of grief or whatever, hate. but they've added another stage, his research team. And that one's making meaning or finding meaning in the laws. And um, he was talking to somebody or he was talking about an experience. And he was saying that um, people should not be expecting to find the meaning in like two or three months after their person dies or they're experiencing that grief that making meaning is a long-term type of a a step or a stage um and while I don't have anything good to say about the stages of grief I agreed with him in the fact that um with time you might be able to look back and make meaning out of what happened you know how you grew as a person or what things you were able to learn um, but it's not something that you should expect yourself to do really, really quickly. And quickly in the death of your partner is a different is a different timeline than maybe you might expect from yourself for from other you know aspects of your life. I agree. And it's all a paradox. That's what's so hard about it is that when you are feeling like trash, um, you could probably modify not modify but mitigate some of those feelings with exercises in gratitude and positive thinking but it's also not a way to just skip through the bad feelings either so it's like it's like my brain can't hold those things both at once sometimes yeah and one thing that's that's important to remember is that you can decide if you want to try and get more positive thoughts in your mind, or you can decide if you don't want to. So our minds are loops. We just have the same things going through over and over and over. And let's say you're feeling pretty bad and you've been in a bad slump for a long time, but intellectually you're like, okay, I have to do like, at least try one thought that might kind of break the cycle. All you need is one little thought that just acts as a wedge so that the door can't fully close, you can keep like 99% of your like bad feelings, but maybe that 1% is just enough light so that you can maybe have a little bit of a release or, or know that like life comes in seasons and we experience things in seasons. So it's hard these are hard topics to talk about because they're not, they're not five steps. They're not black and white. They're not these nice little compact, complete packages. They're like, I thought you were going to say the, the, the sixth stage of grief was that they were going to say, put the five stages in a blender bottle and shake it. (laughs) No, because they, they like their stages of grief and it's fine. I loved what you just said though, that you can keep 99% of your thoughts and that you can just choose one thought and see what happens. Um, My mom has kept a gratitude journal for like a long time, probably like 40 years. And she started it in a time when she was really depressed in her life and she was really having a hard time. So every day she just started writing down three things that she was thankful for and it changed her life. Um, Anita, you're 40. And so I see how this coincides. Cute. (laughs) 
probably, it's probably true. But so I see the power of that in her life. And um, I've used that in my life as well, when things are really hard to say, like, what is going well, what things are going my way. And um, it can change, like you said, that thought pattern of like, the world hates me, the universe hates me. You know, there's no hope, there's no reason to be doing any of this. And then you go, oh, well, at least I have arms and legs, <laughs> whatever it is. And her rule was that she would never repeat anything twice. So she has volumes. I mean, like a whole room full of, she calls them her thankful journals. So that's a good idea. Good job, Jean. I know. Five. My mommy is so amazing. But there's also this idea that you can't, you can force yourself to do it, but then you also can't force yourself to do it. You have to be in a place where you consent to try it. You consent to your own mind that you're going to try it and see what happens and not try and force yourself to do it, but do it with curiosity and say, am I in a place to look for the things that are going well? Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Do you want to hear what I've been doing lately? That's kind of my experiment right now. Yeah. So I have felt really depressed for most of this whole time, but I also like to do things and, and work towards feeling better and building my life up and all that stuff. And so I've, I've become aware of when our, my trauma brain is taking over. And then when my maybe future self is kind of in my head. And so sometimes, sometimes what I try and do is I I try and figure out who is talking to my brain right now. Is it my current self? That's just like, or is it my future self? And sometimes when I don't feel like doing the things I think, oh, well, I don't really care about myself right now, but I do care about my future self. I'm going to try and set my future self up for success tomorrow, which is tomorrow, right? Like Yeah. I could choose to go and like be all depressed in my bed and eat all the snacks and not prepare my little handouts that I have for the next day. Or I could be like, oh, well, I do care about myself tomorrow. So I'm going to set myself up for that. And then I'm going to go eat the snacks. (laughs) And so I'm trying to be aware of what's my, they call it the primitive brain. What's my primitive brain versus my logical thinking brain. And sometimes one wins and sometimes the other doesn't win and vice versa. And it's a crapshoot, but it's some, it's interesting to be aware of those two factors. I think that's deep Mel. Like I care about my future self. So I'm going to do this for my future self. I have another question for you though. What? 
So you were saying that widows who are, you know, 10 years out or however long out tell us that we're going to become the beautiful butterfly. Do you think that it is easier to hear from other widows or other people who have walked this path um, advice for looking for things to be grateful for? Yes. Yeah. As opposed to a not widow. Uh-huh. Well, I hate when people that are not widows tell me things. I'm like, you don't even know anything, right? But You're like, don't even no. tell me that that apple is yummy because I don't believe you. Yeah. You don't know my grief. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of only trust people with those things that have been through significant life altering trauma. And that's where I'm at right now. And I'm sure that when I am 10 years out, I'll look back and be like, well, I know what they were going for. And like, I totally see it, but I'm still so far below even the like normal people functioning that tell those things to me that I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Maybe once I get a little bit higher to the, to kind of that more normal functioning and, and also like being able to integrate more into non-widow life, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll be more receptive, but no, don't tell me anything. Even sometimes if they are widows and they're just like, oh, I'm sorry, it just happened, but don't, don't worry. It gets better. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I need you to meet me where I am right now, right this minute. Well, and does that look like, so if you are a widow, that's 10 years, I don't know why 10 years, we've decided that's the magical number. But if they say to you like, yes, it is so hard what you're going through, but it is going to get better. Is it in the delivery as far as like, just not negating or brushing aside your experience now? I think so. I mean, I would be more receptive if somebody first met me where I was at and, and validated it and then said the thing. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that if, if you get a sense that they understand that it is the worst and I do think that we tend to forget, I mean, once we've passed that really hard thing, of course, we're like, I don't want to remember how hard it was. That's why you say, they say you have more than one baby. Cause you forget that it was like terrible to have a baby. It's kind of the same thing. I don't know anything about that, but I'll take your word for it. Well, we just interviewed Josette Richardson Holly, and we talked about this. What was the episode? 75. Episode 75, Josette Richardson Holly. She's been a widow for 17 years, I believe. Yeah. And she talked about gratitude and, and looking for those things and how it's been transformative for her. And she has lived through hell. And so at first when, like, I know that if somebody just straight jumps to the positive, the positive, that's where I'm like, I'm going to check out. But because she's like, no, no, look at what I've been through. Like we, I had seven kids and my husband was never healthy. And then he died and came back to life. And then he died again. And then we had, he had no life insurance. It's like, oh, this lady has been through it. This is not just somebody who had an awesome house on the hill and all the money and, and maybe all the support. I mean, it's going to be hard for anybody, right? I'm not trying to like compare in that sort of way, but I'm more willing to listen to somebody talk about the light part of these things that's also experienced equivalent dark. Cause you feel like she's earned, she's earned her ability to say that to you and have credibility and not just be like, everything's great. I'm an influencer. I don't tell you the truth about things. I only show you the great things that happen. Yes. Well, and also like, I mean, kind of in our communities, Anita, people are, are like, well, just go serve, just be quiet and go serve. And I'm like, I don't, maybe that works in, in a lot of situations, but there are sometimes like in trauma 
where you're not able to. And, and, and I feel like that if it's coming from somebody that doesn't get it, that could be a toxic positivity category. But if it is coming from somebody who does get it, that acknowledges the dark part, it's not bypassing. Yeah. You know, see, it's just, it's such a fine, you know, it's like it's you said, a it's not- fine piece of puke is what it is. All the chunks. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say, but okay. Yeah. I was going to say it's a fine line. There's not a lot of, it's gray, you know, like we've talked about before. Or, or it's Barf. a big, fine bowl of spaghetti. Okay. We've gone from barf to spaghetti to a line. Yeah. It's all, it's all a big bowl of mush. So, yeah. Well, that was fun. (laughs) What do you guys think? Tell us. I'm so grateful to have been able to talk to you this day. And I am grateful that we are friends because our husbands died. But in all seriousness, there have been good things that have come out of Jason dying. And even though I would rather have him back, I think it is beneficial for me to acknowledge those things yeah. when I'm able to. So we're definitely different people than we were before yes. and, and are hopefully on our way to becoming even better versions of ourselves so that we can help even more people. Yes. And yeah. Like that. So. We'd love to hear your thoughts on gratitude versus toxic positivity versus bar life. Yeah. Yes. If you are not in our widow wives club yet on Facebook, please go to the link in our bio, click it and join. And what else? If you're a widow, this is a group exclusive for widows and widowers or for people who've lost their person. Yes. We also have a public Facebook page for everybody, but yeah, if you are specifically a widow or a widower and the definition for those are somebody who has sustained partner loss. Doesn't matter if you're married doesn't matter your orientation. It's all good. You yes. all fit. Come with Scotty us. is killing me. He's like, oh, look at his face. He's so cute. Okay. Come join us. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. I'm Scotty. <laughs> we're two young widows and Mel's emotional support, Scotty. And we're trying to help you and us figure out widow yeah. we do now. Oh, Scotty. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money.
And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.